Okay, so welcome back to the Magic Minds podcast. I'm Matt Bork. Today, I am delighted to announce my guest is Karen. Karen is a patient in the National Rehabilitation Hospital, the NRH, as you will hear us describe in the interview. Um, she's attending a program called DRTU, the Rehabilitative Training Unit. This is a unit that works with adults that have had an acquired brain injury. Karen suffered traumatic brain injury a couple of years ago and was left with some significant deficits and injuries from her, her, her brain injury. And uh, she's had a really, really difficult time. And she's going to share a story with us that's powerful and honest and funny. And she's a very insightful and open and honest, really decent, decent human being. And it, I, I was delighted to uh, have the opportunity to, to share this uh, interview with her so hopefully you will enjoy okay karen very welcome to magic minds uh it's great to have you on board thanks just want to get your story out there and let people have a listen to it because i think it's fascinating okay. and it's funny <laughs> right so come here look start me off talk to me about your 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 childhood growing up um well i had a quite privileged privileged childhood we had a childminder that lived in us because um, my mum and dad ran the Bagot Inn in Bagot Street. Oh, very um, good. So we had a, a full-time childminder who lived in with us. Um, we went away on holidays every year, which was quite kind of different back in the day. Like, people go in Ireland or whatever. It's expensive to go to Ireland now than it is. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But back in the day, it was cheap enough. you just go and stay in a mobile or whatever. But uh, we always went away on, like, big holidays. So um, Where did you grow up? Fingless. Which part? The posh part. I didn't know there was a posh part of Fingus. <laughs> it's by the police station. Up at the ah, police station. very good. Privileged, though. Right? Yeah, we were at the big white Georgian houses. That's why people used to say, oh, do you live in them white Georgian houses? Right. And I was like, what is a white Georgian house like? But anyway, um, yeah, so I, I loved the road that we grew up on. There was like about, there was 32 houses and there was about 100 children. Right. And we all played together. And there was a little football pitch on the road, and all the right. the dads used to play with the the kids. Jeez, and you don't was, see that anymore. Oh, do you? it was brilliant! And every Monday night, the whole road used to go swimming. What? The, yeah, the swimming bats were just across the road. Swimming bats. Yeah, and uh, oh, it was brilliant. The laugh we had. So, like, I really had a good childhood. Um, yeah, I loved it until. Obviously, then my ma left when we were... I was 11, I think, and it started to go downhill from there, I suppose. You you just moved out of Finglas then, did you? Um, well, we moved. We ended up moving down to Finglas, or moving down to Wicklow, um, when, years later, when my ma and dad got back together and she moved, they moved back down to Wicklow. My dad's from right now. Okay. So um, they moved down, bought a pub down there, and then I used to go down and work the odd weekend and stuff. Um and at my mum's 40th birthday she was like begging me to you know move down with her or whatever and me and me drunken state or whatever um told her that I'd moved down for her for her birthday present um so she was delighted with that was your dad still up in fingers no no they were both living in but you were still staying oh, I was there. keeping the the home fires burning like party in the house every weekend <laughs> brilliant my mum and dad got a phone call one night actually down to Wicklow 
to tell because the neighbour had been banging down the door to tell me to turn off the noise. Right. Never even heard of me. Dad travelled all the way up from Wicklow and arrived into the house. And, and the we place got, was kicking. Oh, jeez. I was thrown out that night. Um, so, yeah, anyway, I moved down to Wicklow and then, lo and behold, a few days later, I found out I was pregnant. Oh, right. So I was like, okay, well, it's a good job like to move down to Wicklow. Um, and then the fellow that I was pregnant for, he moved down with me as well and he didn't last he only lasted a few months and then we ended up splitting up and so yeah I've stayed down there ever since it's a great old place to bring up kids like yeah you many kids have you got now two two kids yeah so uh Jude is 19 and Lucy is 16 going on 17 so I started going out with um Alan when Jude was 10 months old Right. So she actually thought that he was her father right. until she was about maybe 12 or 13. Before she was going into secondary school, I decided, okay, it's best to tell her now because I don't want to come in out another way. Um, it'd be more damaging. And so I remember telling her, and she, what she actually said was, fuck off, you liar. And I was like, no, I'm serious. And wow. she, she boxed me across the face. Oh, Janie. Yeah. Um, but literally, she was absolutely fine within... 24 right. hours she was absolutely grand she's like well sure he's reared me I don't know any different so ah, very good um, so it's all been good like ever since you know she's just absolutely fine with it thank god when did you meet Alan um, actually Alan was going out with my cousin oh right um, and I came down uh, well I was living down here um, and I went to actually it was before I was living down here I went to her 21st and he was there and um, we were back at the house party then after and I wasn't pregnant at this stage well I probably was but didn't realise I was and I found out I was pregnant about a month later but um, I was wait- I was trying to get a taxi home and living in Wicklow like back in the day like I just this was like a strange place to me there was no like the shops used to close at lunchtime they used to close on a Tuesday Siesta was it you couldn't get a taxi after fucking one o'clock or something it was absolutely mental coming from Fingless oh my god it was crazy so um, I was frantic trying to get a taxi and I remember him saying to me the first thing he ever said to me was you're not going to get a taxi at this time and um he tried to kiss me and I pushed him away and I was like you absolute scumbag you're going out with my cousin like right. um, so I didn't have very high <laughs> opinion of him um, from from the off but then like about two or three months later I met him again and I kind of liked him a bit but like I wouldn't obviously I wouldn't because he was going out with my cousin but um, then I started going out with somebody else and uh, he was an alcoholic the oh, person shit. I was going out with and he'd pissed all over my couch <laughs> And I had them in the wash. And I remember I, it was the day before Jude's christening. And I was trying to put the the cushions back into the pillow or into the case. Yeah, and yeah. Alan arrived up looking for your man that I was going out with. And I brought him in. And uh, he he knew as soon as he seen it, he, got, he goes, oh, did he piss on the, the couch? Like, And I was just like, I actually can't cope. I can't put, can't put them back in and blah, blah, blah. So he put them back in, and that sealed the deal. I was in love with him then. Uh. So I was just like, oh, he's lovely. And then um, I ended up doing the dirt on your man, the f- Alco, with oh, Alan. And Hopefully not on the couch. Literally, Jesus, no. And literally, um, from the first night I was with Alan, he moved in with me. Oh, right. Like, it was literally overnight. We, there was no courtship, like, or dating oh, or anything. Straight in there, straight, straight in, in there. Full time, like... Um, 
but we were always on and off, on and off, on and off. Literally a false relationship. <laughs> one, one week on, one week off, all the, for years. Um, and then we'd broke up properly and he moved to England. And um, it was only when my cat died. I had a beautiful Persian cat and one of the dogs killed it. And Whoa. it was the most horrific, honestly, it was the most horrific experience I've ever been through. I literally seen the light going from the cat's eyes from life to death. It was. You were looking out the I, window at no, it? No, I was actually whole. I was trying to get the dog off the cat. Whoa. And I was like screaming, leave her, leave her alone, leave her alone. Like, I was seeing her being shredded, like, because oh, it was no. a hunting dog. Like, oh, oh it God. was. Honestly, it was horrific. So, um,. The kids end up. I end up going to going to Dunn stores with the kids, and uh, Jude says to me, "Oh, man, feel this blanket. It's real soft. It's gorgeous." And I went over and felt it, and I collapsed on the ground because I and scream and crying. I was like, "It just feels like Kitty," <laughs> and she was like, "Sorry." She was straight on the phone to Alan, and she's like, "Dad, get home. Mom's freaking fucking out. She's losing it." And uh, he came back, and then we got back together straight away. So the cat didn't die in vain. God love her. Oh, um, so I'm. And then pretty much then for, that was in April, and then we went away on a family holiday in August, which was our first family holiday in a few years. So that was really nice. Um, And we hadn't had a crossword ever since we got back together. Wow, brilliant. And that was very, very unusual for us because I'm very, very highly strung. No way. Uh, (laughs) I was, even pre injury, I was highly strung. Um, And then. That was in the August, and then in the October, I had my accent. When did you have your accent? Talk to me about the injury. Uh, so was, it was a what re- year was it? It was October two thousand and fourteen. Okay. And it was uh, a really rainy day. Now I don't remember anything about the day. The last memory I have is the Sunday, and this happened on the Wednesday. Um, but it was a really rainy day, and um, I'd been at this man's house who I used to kind of do a bit of home help for. Yeah. And I was at his house and um, I'd left my cats to be neutered in Arklow and then I was driving to his house. And then on the way, it was on the way back from his house um, to get the cats that I actually had to crash um, and I went in the path of an articulated lorry. Wow. Um, so I think I'd been cut out of the, the car but I think I was kind of um, seemed coherent enough like you know you I were could, conscious yeah I was fairly conscious it. um so they brought me to Vincent's and then um when I got to Vincent's apparently my stats dropped or I don't know what okay. way they they monitor your but it wasn't good so I was transferred to Beaumont and then um I was put in an induced coma for okay. a little over two weeks okay um, and then when I was taken out of that then I was um, now I don't remember any of this no no nothing. no it's, just, it's um, in your report I've read it yeah so um, apparently like people were coming to visit me and stuff like now they'd only let in my parents my my kids Alan um, my best friend and my pastors at the time okay um, and uh, apparently I didn't really recognise anybody okay like I didn't uh, but I just kept on saying over and over again oh my god did you hear I was in a car accident oh my car's gone it's a ride off okay straight I, off then there was a short term memory problem. and I just kept on saying that over and over and over again okay. that was all I'd really say very good but uh, apparently like my daughter used to get very upset because I never really used to make eye contact with her and she did, I, there was no recognition in my face okay yeah but uh, 
my friend came in with a star bar one day and dangled it in front of me. <laughs> Chocolate. And I was like, <laughs> panting, looking at it like, right. and then she got upset and she was like, she recognises the bleeding star bar, but she doesn't recognise me. Wow, that must have been so, difficult. Was that difficult for you or do you have any recollection of it? I've, well, I don't know. Like, right. now I know my daughter was very different with me when I came home. Like, she used to let me away with a lot of stuff. Yeah. She used to, she used to tell me, she loved me all the time before I'd go to sleep. And if I ever went out anywhere, she'd be like, love you. Uh, so it obviously did affect her in course, some way. Of like, course, of course, um, And I think, now I've never said it to her, but somebody else has told me that me and her were in a fight at the time of me having my accident, which in a, in a, in a way, it's a godsend because she was off school, sick, and yeah. normally I'd have made her come to work with me. Right. But the fact that we were fighting, I didn't bring her. Wow. And if, God, if she'd have been in the car with me, like, yeah. you know what I mean? It could have been so different. Um, so, but that obviously affects her as well. That yeah. she didn't want to be fighting with me. Of course. Um, so, yeah, that was, um, and then I went, was transferred to Vincent's. At what point did you recognise or did you, did you realise, whoa, hold on, I've got a brain injury here. That, when did it, did you um, get insight into that? I'm not sure if it was when I was in Bowmount. I think it might have been when I was in Bowmount. I remember waking up and being kind of locked in. Okay. Couldn't communicate with anybody, but right. knew everything that was going on around me. But right. everything was in little drips and drabs. Like, nothing was kind of... I, I still, to this day, don't really have a concept of time. Like, I can manage hours, even days. But weeks or months, no. I've no idea. Right. Like, I really don't. Like, literally, you could tell me it's summer. And I'd say, God, it's very cold. <laughs> like, that's yeah. how, how... Well, that's Irish weather for But you. that's how confused I am about yeah, months. me too, like, me too. Um, like, the time just flies... I know as you get older, the time flies by yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. But for me, it really, really does. Um, so, um, I don't know when I kind of realised that... Like, I know that I thought I had a, I'd had a massive stroke because I had, had two TIAs, which yeah. are like trans-ischemic attacks. Like, yeah, like yeah. Mean, kind of mini-strokes. Mini-strokes, right. So I'd had them um, 10 years previous. And I thought, oh, I'm not having a massive stroke. Oh, Jesus, I'm stuck like this. God. No, because at the time I was big into, reli- like, well, not even religion, but like Christianity. Yeah, you touched to on your pastures earlier. Yeah, I was going to church. I'd be, I was born again Christian, born again like, Christian. and I was baptised in the sea and all that jazz. Right. And I was big into, you know, um, spiritual guidance. Yeah. And um, I was like, God, why did you, like, I'd rather be dead. Why did you right. save me? Right. And I swear to God, he said, because it wasn't your time. Right. You know, I have plans for you. And I really believed that. Um, so then I, re- I was coherent enough for people to be saying, now you know you've been in a car accident. And so that's when I started off with the, do you know I was in a car accident? Okay, yeah. I was yeah. telling everybody Tell everyone, then. Yeah, it was like I just clung on to that. Of course. And yeah, I, was probably, yeah. I was probably so relieved that I didn't have a, a stroke, that I was right. just like, oh, I was in a car accident, my car's gone. You know, I just kept repeating that over and over again. No, I don't remember that, but I, apparently I told everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A hundred yeah, yeah. times a visit. Um, so are you, I don't remember much about being in Bowmount, but do you know what's really funny actually? I went back about a year later for a checkup in Bowmount. Yeah. And even though I don't remember being in Bowmount, the first yeah. th- clear memory that I have of Bowmount is leaving Bowmount in the, in the ambulance to go to Vincent's. Yeah. Um, and I thought that me and your man, the, the driver were like getaway We'd robbed somewhere. And we went in his, <laughs> uh, I was like, like Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought we were. Yeah. Um, 
so I thought that I'd no recollection of that, but I went back a year later for it to check up with, with the neurosurgeon. And uh, I was sitting in the waiting room and I could hear this voice and I was like, I know that voice. And as soon as she walked by, I recognised her. And I was like, oh my God, I recognise her. Yeah, yeah. I knew. Yeah, 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 yeah. I So I knew somebody. Yeah. That brings me to another strange coincidence. Go on. One day I was, um, I hadn't seen your man that I used to do the cleaning for. Yeah. And I hadn't seen him in a long time. So it was about maybe a good year and a half later anyway. And uh, I was down in Arklow one day and I says, do you know what, I think I'll, I'll go to see David. I haven't seen him in a long time. Like, So um, I said, uh, I put into me sat-nav his address and I just fo- followed. Because as far as I knew, I'd never been on that road. Yeah. Now, I knew that I must have been, because that's the way I must have travelled before. Yeah, 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 but yeah. I didn't know, like, what the directions yeah, were or anything. Yeah, absolutely. So I was driving along anyway, and uh, just when I came to this part, I just started convulsing. My whole body started shaking. Wow. And I was like, oh, my God, I wonder if this where Like, this is really strange what's happening to me. Yeah. So I pulled into the garage, and I went in, and I was white as a ghost. And your woman that was serving me, because I went in to get a coffee, and your woman that was serving me, she was like, are you Okay. And I was like, no, I'm not actually... Uh, hopefully that this coffee will sort me out. I said, I'm actually shaking. And she said, I can see. And I said, "What road? what's that road I've just come on like? And she said, that's the Vail Road. And I said, oh, my God, I don't believe it. I said, I swear to God, just back there. And I actually... I was that overwhelmed. I actually dragged her out of the shop and I pointed. And I said, just back there, I went into a fit of kind of shakes. And I said, I was in a car accident there about a year ago. A year or so ago, and she said to me, uh, I said, my name's Karen McGettigan, and she said, oh my God, yeah, I remember. That's exactly where you crashed. Well, wow. I'm not joking you, Matt. I had to drink the coffee, and I had to sit there for about half an hour before wow. I got back in the car. Wow. I was shaking that much. It's like my body knew. Yeah, no, it's like, exactly, this is a light bulb moment. Like, subconsciously, you are picking up signals, trees there, yeah. landmarks here, and your mind subconsciously yeah. detected that this way you had your accident. I know, And then mad. it was a stress response. It's amazing, isn't it? That yeah. You weren't even thinking of that, yeah. but the mind was able to pick up these cues. Absolutely fascinating, fascinating. Yeah. Come here, just talk to me about, like, the injury. And you were in Bowman, Vincent's. How did, how had life changed for you then? Like, well, I was changed? very. I was a real like charbox. I know yeah. you wouldn't think it to look at me. Now. <laughs> yeah. No, it's. I'm getting there, but um, I was just. I couldn't find words. Right. So I found it very difficult to. I used to say the wrong words for. Did you have aphasia? There was I, any. Nobody ever really mentioned aphasia to me, so it must have been very very slight. Okay. Do you know what I mean? It must have been so something you, that they knew they could work on. So it probably just better. a word finding difficulty yeah. you have rather than it. Did you comprehend? Did you understand? Yeah, you I did, and I used to, to the dog. Or... I was saying. Um, I used to say, and I still to this day say hotel instead of hospital. Okay. Always. Okay. I can't. I get the two of them mixed up all the time. Um, and then other words like um, I can't even think now but I'd say the wrong words for something but what I what everybody used to do to me is like my husband used to say to me well he was my boyfriend at the time give us a clue go on give us a clue and it would be like me playing charades, charades with, with the family so I'd be like you know it's in it's it's in the kitchen um, and you do something in it um, you put something in it and it makes <laughs> it into something else and he'd be like a cooker and not no, and I'd be like, and you put butter on it, and he'd be like a toaster, and we'd be like, yeah, 
Yay! <laughs> Brilliant. So that was a game that we used to play for about a year. Brilliant. Um, now, I still do it now when I get really, really tired. Right, I, Apparently, right. I done it the other night to my daughter and apparently she just like, Ma'am, don't get angry with me. I'm not a mind reader. Because I'd be like, that thing over there, you know what I mean? And she's like, what is it, ma'am? Find your words. She right. just say that to me. And I'd be, I feel so, like yeah, such a child when she says that. Yeah, um, yeah so that was, that was my problem, um, kind of, apart from the, the main one, which was the anger. Right. So, yeah, talk to me about that. Did you, were you angry before? Um, Did you have anger issues before you, the injury? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you would always blow yeah, up. Yeah, I would. I was very um, highly strung, let's just call it. Okay. Um. Yeah. Like, I do, th- I do blame everything on the brain injury. It's very easy to blame everything on the brain, brain injury. Right. But everybody says to me, Karen, you were like that before. Right. So it's only when people are saying that to me, like, you were, you were always like that. You were like that before that I'd be thinking, was I really... God, right. I must have been a horrible bitch. Because Absolutely. I did, for, I did for the first, like, I don't know how my husband married me, because he married me at my worst. Right. Like, I was horrible for the first, I'd say, year and a half. Give us a Absolutely example. Absolutely like horrible. Oh, I was just a thundering bitch. Right. Like, really, the, I was so aggressive and so, so short-tempered. Like, I had no, no um, tolerance. My levels for tolerance were just at zero. I like seeing that when you started on the programme here. You yeah. You could see that. You know, and that was great for me. Not great for you, but it was great that I could witness it. And a lot of people don't present like that yeah. in here. They save it for home and a family. Oh, God, where yeah. you come in guns blazing. <laughs> yeah. People oh, I'm an open book. That's one thing I'll say. Yeah, and, anyway. and that's very good. It's easy for us to work with them. Yeah. Uh, as far as your family and the anger... You were, ta- you were talking to me about a birthday party a year ago. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, Jesus. That. And Lucy actually said that this year. She's like, Ma'am, now will you tell us exactly what you want? Because I don't want another repeat of your birthday. What happened last year again? Remind me. Um, okay, so first of all, my husband got me a lovely bunch of flowers. And I was like, Yeah, they're grand, but sure, I would have preferred because we have a beautiful garden. Right. And I and he always God love him, he always brings me in a bunch of flowers like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, Yeah, they're lovely, but sure I would have preferred a bunch out of the garden. And he was just like, Okay. And then um my daughter got me um a hairdryer and I opened it and I was like, Is this a fucking joke? And she was like, Why? And I said, Why would anybody need two hair dryers? I have a hair dryer. It's perfect. And Alan says, It's not perfect, Karen. The, the the plug is broke it has to be plugged in at all times and I was like yeah so I always know where it is that's grand like and he's like it's not grand it's it's a danger and I was like look it's not a danger it's fine so um, I kind of caused a bit of a fuss and everybody was getting upset with me and I was getting very upset and I was like he's have ruined my fucking birthday now and I was just you know so your social filter was just... Oh, God, my filter was completely gone. I would say whatever I was thinking would just come out. But you were a strong person before your accident, but you sh- you had a little more uh, so emotional intelligence back then, totally. let's say. Totally. And I'd know what's socially acceptable to say and what's right, not. Right, Whereas right. now, it was just like, I'd just say whatever I thought. Yeah, and I've seen that in sessions here, where you yeah. just blurt out, you know, and... Uh, Empathy wasn't one of your strong points when you started, and that's something that you you're quite aware of that as well, though, weren't you? Oh God, yeah, definitely. Well, I suppose the fact that I couldn't cry or yeah, feel, yeah. I couldn't really feel anything. Um, so how could I have empathy when I couldn't have feelings? Yeah. So I was like, all I felt was anger, but I'd know if something was sad. Yeah. 
or like you just knew it but you didn't feel it no like I've been yeah. to funerals like yeah. I think three funerals since I've had my accident three or four funerals and like everybody's around me and they're crying and I'm sitting there and like ah, I know it's I know I should be sad but yeah sure oh well he's gone he's gone yeah Um. Yeah. Like and that's did not you find a nice that difficult? Way. Oh god, yeah. It yeah. makes you feel crap about yourself. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So and everything was kind of replaced with anger. Like I'd feel like angry because I couldn't feel anything else. Right. Um. It was the only emotion you could have. Yeah, and that was really annoying. That was really difficult. Like, um, especially for my younger, my youngest daughter. I right. used to give her an awful time. Like I used to bully her something terrible. That's that's probably my biggest regret it's not my biggest regret but it's my biggest worry is that in years to come that she's going to be affected by that yeah now we we had that meeting the case the meeting that we had and we brought the family conference in and i thought your daughters were unbelievable yeah like, no they have great insight like but they, they gave a feedback for such a maturity they were able to give constructive feedback positive feedback and a great blend they didn't have a go which you didn't use opportunity they spot your strengths they were able to give you i think it's amazing and i think if they hold on to that going like forward, even lucy um like i remember one time i had this tiffany lamp yeah that i'd bought when before i think jude was just a baby and it was oh it was a lot of money back in the day it was like 80 pounds or 60 pounds it was something for the house that I'd spent a lot of money on. Yeah. Which wasn't... At 19 years of age, 20 years of age, you don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not with the lifestyle that I had. There's yeah. always better things to be spending your money on. But I was like, this, I loved this. So I've yeah. had that for years and years and years. Yeah, yeah. And I think Lucy ended up breaking it. Right. Well, I went... I'm not joking you, Matt. When I say I was frothing at the mill, I was literally... Now, I've always made it a rule that, to never slap my children. Right. Even as children, I never slapped them because I would be afraid I'd lose control. Okay. I always knew I had a problem with control yeah. in things like that. So I never, never would ever slap them. Um, but I came close this one day. I was so angry and I called her every name under the sun. Wow. And I was telling her that she was the most selfish, horrible person in the world. I was absolutely... Like, it's the, the biggest shame that I have. Okay, okay. And do you know what she was saying to me in the middle of this? What? Stop, ma'am. Stop. You don't mean this. This isn't you. Oh, that's beautiful. And I was just like, oh, my God. Like, And I was like, I do mean it. I do mean it. And she was like, you're going to be sorry about this. Think about what you're saying. You're going to be sorry about this later. How old was she at the time? Um, What's she now? 16. So she would have been probably 14. Wow. Um. And I was like, I just didn't see outside of what I yeah, like. Yeah, of course. The, the, you, the blinkers were on. You the were red the, mist. Yeah, that's what rage, it is. rage, rage. Um, and she, she like had so much patience with me that that's what she was saying. Yeah, I could see that to me. It was brilliant. Yeah. Um, but it's funny because she was always my favorite person in the world. Right. She came before anybody. If you know, if you're asked a question, who would look? What would you bring to a desert island with yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. And people could say like. I it, now you'd say on oh, my phone or this or oh, that. Yeah, yeah. No, mine was always Lucy. Right. Lucy, we could talk about anything. We'd have a laugh together. She was just my absolute soul. Yeah. And during the time that I was in hospital, she'd got her periods. She'd got her first boyfriend. She was grown up a bit. Wow. She was different to when I went in. Uh, but I was different. Yeah, of course. As well. Yeah. And it was just a clash of personalities. Or we just 
couldn't get on. I didn't like her. And I found that the most difficult thing. Like, she went from my favourite person to my least favourite person in the space of a couple of months of me being in hospital. So that was really difficult. It was horrible. It was very, very upsetting. And, of course, I'd want to cry about it, but Which I couldn't, but I, so I'd get more angry about it. It was just a vicious circle. like. Yeah, and yeah. there was one job she had to do, and that was to stack the or empty the dishwasher and she wouldn't do it now it took me a long time like a year's therapy to realize she's just a teenager yeah that's yeah. all like you know Jesus. but i'd be like it's one thing i'm asking you to do one thing it take you 10 minutes out of your whole day wow. why do you get me like this why do you and i'd be frothing at them out and i literally wow. i would be like a mad woman right um so but, you know, I, di- I didn't think I was doing well here in the RTU. I thought it was a waste of time. So, when, just pull it back for a sec, when I want to ask you, when did you, when you talk about the empathy and the crying and all, when, when did you see that breakthrough? Well, the first time I cried was, oh God, maybe a year or so after. I was actually coming up to the NRH for a checkup with Dr. McGilligan. Yeah. And um, so it must have been. I don't know when it was, but it, my dad had to bring me anyway. Yeah. So it was when I found out I couldn't drive anymore. Okay. Um, and my dad isn't the best of drivers, let's mm. just say. And he was going into another lot, lane or whatever, and a car started beeping at him and like making all these faces out the window and everything. And I just burst into tears. Wow. And I was like, and he was like, and I was like, look at look what you're doing to me. Why can't, why why are you driving like that? Do you have any idea that I was nearly killed out of a car accident? Right. Please drive more carefully. Like, and I was right. so, it was like my body. It was just a reaction yeah. because I couldn't cry about anything else. Right. But that was like, even though I have no recollection of the the car crash. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. was like my body just reacted. Yeah, again, it's what we yeah, said. Yeah, it was the very strange. And... So that was the first time I actually cried, and then I think. After that, I don't really remember crying much, really, at all, for any reason. Um, but I was um, with Sylvie here one day, and we were talking about... The counsellor. Yeah, and we were talking about um, how my relationships with people have changed. And right. that's something that I find very difficult, because it was like, I don't mind. Yeah, yeah, I remember when we first met, you used to say to me, if I don't see you, I don't care about you. Yeah, so, and I would have been extremely close to my best friend, who lives in Cork. Like, extremely close. And say with my sister who lives in England, loved the bones of her and her children. Mm-hmm. And I used to ring them all the time. Right. And I used to text my friend all the time. I literally have to put reminders on my phone to actually keep in contact with them because I yeah. will never think of them. Right. And that bothered me a lot. But that's a memory thing. It yeah, it is a memory thing, but you should feel, you should feel like you want to. Yeah, yeah, But yeah, I just yeah. don't think... To you know, it's and I, I don't like that. Yeah. So um, that was really something that I was affected by, and it was when I was talking. Like I've never vocalised it. Yeah. I've never even thought about it much, other than to set the alarm on my yeah, phone, yeah, and yeah. then when it goes off, I'll text them. Yeah. But um, actually talking about it, I started crying. I was right. just like, wow. now a few times I have started to cry, but I get so excited that I'm going to start crying that yeah. I actually start laughing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I never kind of get there. Yeah. Um, okay. So, but this day it was like literally tears dropping without me even feel, realizing I was wow. crying. And it I was felt just normal like, yeah, again. Yeah, I felt, and it was that was a big breakthrough for me. Yeah. Um. I remember reading your story. I got you to do the my story, 
and I, I got I got emotional when I read it when you says you feel your heart thawing out now. Yeah, I feel like my heart is made of ice, and I feel like it's melting a little bit all the time. Yeah, we can see it here in the program. It's a huge change. Yeah. Huge change. Yeah, you came to the NRH, the RTU, this program. When did you get here? Um, I think it was like the, the middle of July. It was just before my birthday, I think, maybe a week or two before my birthday. So probably the start of July. Um, and the first few weeks or a month or so, I thought it was just, like, not for me. No. I just felt like I was way above... Um, everybody, I have a very high opinion of myself in case you haven't realised. <laughs> I never noticed. But I just thought like, you know, I, I'm well able for this. This is a piece of piss. Like I can do all of these things that I they're know. trying to get me to you, do. You come in like a whirlwind. Yeah. Yes, and, like a storm. And I was annoyed by a few of the trainees. Like I'd, I just kind of find myself rolling my eyes and Seen things it. like that. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Matt. Um, so... And that, them sort of things, when I do things like that, it makes me feel bad about myself. Right. Vicious circle. And I don't like to feel bad about myself. No. I think I'm great. Yeah. So I'm just like, it's conflicting all the time. So um, I was like, this is not really doing anything for me. But then my family started to notice a difference yeah. in me. And they're like, you know, oh, well, yeah, yeah. I was tired for the first, for the first while. Because when you're used to doing nothing at all. Other than going out and colouring with your friends and having, like, used to go out for coffee and colouring mornings or, like, go out for coffee or whatever. Then to have, like, a full day, four days a week is a lot. So, now, for, uh, Monday and Tuesdays, I only come in um, till lunchtime. But I used to get a lift with somebody, another trainee that was here, and um, then he went, so I was getting the, the train. And I used to get the train, the 9 o'clock train, that would get here for, like, 20 to 11 by the time I get the next bus to come here or whatever. So by the time I'd come in, I'd be like, that's a full day's work for me, like, you know, compared to what I'm used to. So I'd just like, and then I'd come in and we're doing bloody relaxation and breathing and all this and learning with the brain and all. I was just like, oh my God, thinking about like, I could be lying at home watching Netflix instead of doing this. <laughs> so, me too. But, but then when other people start to notice the difference in you, you start to like feel better, you know, about yourself and stuff. So then, with, before long then, I was getting, um, I started coming in earlier. Yeah. So I'm in most days now for half nine. Um, and the fact that we don't be in on a Friday, I actually would do the Friday. Yeah, because yeah. Because the weekend yeah. feels really long now. Like yeah. So, like, my tolerance, like, my stamina has been built up loads, like, yeah, since yeah. I started... But um, I really feel like this was the best thing I ever did. Yeah, we, we seen it like when you got here in the program, say you're t like people think they come here just for the brain injury rehabilitation, but it's all the stuff that you weren't aware of—the social stuff, the tolerance stuff, the fatigue, just the lifestyle management. Where you were very insightful about the brain injury deficits you had, i.e., your memory, information processing. You're aware of that, mm. but you didn't realise the social side of it. And we could see in a week or two from giving you feedback that you were changing we were like wow we can see a totally different person yeah because you emerge yourself you dive straight out and you do you you dive oh straight yeah well in. i did that i said that from the very very start like but as soon as i came into the nrh after being in at home for the two weeks at christmas yeah i said i don't want any visitors i want to be in here full-time working my ass off i'll come home at the weekends but i want don't want that's when you were in the inpatients in the main hospital yeah yeah 
and I just made it my life's work to get better. Yeah, yeah. To improve as much as possible, and that's I've you know I've done that since the start, and I do like think that that's held like you know. Yeah, absolutely. People that have a strong work ethic generally do well after having a brain injury. People that have always had it easy in school and were really bright and didn't have to put in the work, they do struggle mm. because they don't have that ingrained in them. The work ethic, they don't they don't know how to get down and dirty and knuckle up. And yeah. do the do the strategies, turn it barely, put in the graft, where you had those skill sets. Yeah. And that's where you found it easy to transition then. Uh yeah, I think it made huge, huge success due to your 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 personality. Uh, so as far as your, your programme here, how is it working out for you? I love it. Do you? I absolutely love it. Like, I really do, because I know I can feel I'm getting improving every single day. Yeah. Like, I'm, I actually It's not just, just people it. telling you it's going yeah, well, it's I going well. Yeah, I can feel it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, and, like, my tolerance levels for everything has improved so much. Right. Um, like, I, I never had great patience with somebody. Like, if anybody done anything on me, they'd be dead to me. And that that was one of my favourite things. I remember you told me that when we first had our first casework meeting. Like, I say that to people now as a joke. Like, yeah, if they do yeah. something to annoy me, I'd say, oh, you're dead to me. Because it's a running joke. Because right. I have done that to people. Yeah. I've cut them out of my life if they don't conform to my idea of what they should be. And you just can't do that in real life. I realise now you just can't do that. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. You know, you have to take people as they are yeah that's amazing I wish all people would think like that do you think your quality of life has improved your 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 options have improved your outcome or your 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 sight on life has that improved has it broadened 100% I feel I feel like I'm one of the luckiest people alive like wow. I genuinely do feel like I am so unbelievably lucky just as you say lucky talk to me about your 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 job in the curry shop, as in Lucky, the guy that gave you the job, why has he working there? Because he thinks I'm lucky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, apparently, because he's Chinese, and apparently in China, if you survive a near-death experience, you're forever lucky. Right. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think that's all he really keeps me on for, because he's <laughs> cut, cutting me hours there all the time. But uh, So you're his lucky charm? Go. I think I'm his lucky charm, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's not fortune cookies anymore, it's Karen. Yeah. But they've they've been very good to me, like they yeah. they have been very good to me. Um so yeah, like he used to have to come out and apologise for me and everything. Because mm. I'd be it's rude to the customers. Like if there was customers waiting on their order, they'd order their food and I took their order and then I was on the phone taking another order. If they were talking amongst themselves, I'd be like I'd put the hand over the phone and I'd be like, Would you mind being quiet? I can't hear on the phone and he'd be coming out and he'd be like, Sorry, sorry, sorry or somebody would ring and they'd say they'd want the meal deal and they'd say can I get ribs for the starter and I'd say ribs aren't on the starter and they'd say oh right well what is and I'd say have you a menu and they this is the way I speak to them like and they'd say no sorry and um, I'd say oh my god well there's like 14 things do I have to name them all out to you no way yeah I was like and now I know I would never do that jeez that is the height of ignorance like right 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 Um, but that's why I speak to people like my husband used to say to me all the time you need to learn how to speak to people that was his biggest thing you need to learn how to speak to people 
well, it was, it's the brain injury, it's the, it's the tolerance, it's the, it's the learn to do that again. And I think you've mastered that brilliant. I've seen you in sessions and on the your, your involvement in the program. It's just changed completely. You're a different person. Yeah, no, I am. I feel like I am definitely. As the you were talking earlier about the anger and the anger management, you're involved in a, a project now. What's that with the the students? Oh, the um, IADT is it yeah. called? Um, yeah, it's um, they're doing like a, an animation for the different stages of brain injury. So uh, a couple of other people are doing it, and I think they're doing it for like cognitive or something. And the one some are doing it for fatigue. Fatigue, yeah. It does anger management? Anger? You're doing the anger. It's oh, a of course, I'm doing the anger. And. <laughs> um, a talk, talk about being typecast. Yeah, typecast. Um, yeah. There's a few different ones that are making an animation, and you be the voiceover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's amazing. So, um, yeah, that was exo- that was exciting. It's good. It's I like to be involved in anything because, like, as you say, when I woke up from the coma and I was like, God, why, why did you save me? Because I thought I was going to be stuck like this. I thought yeah, I was going to yeah, be like, yeah. you know, somebody with locked in syndrome or something. And uh, he said, I swear, he said to me, because I have plans for you. Really? And I don't know if it was a dream because it was very hard in them days to figure out what was real and what was a dream. You know, yeah, you felt yeah, like you yeah, were in a dream yeah. the whole yeah. time. So um, I actually, I thought to myself, I need to do something with people in brain injury. Right. I need to help people understand brain injury. Yeah. And and that's why I was thinking about, will I do something in occupational therapy or will I do something in that? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. to be honest with you, Matt, I don't, I don't know if that's for me. Right. I think I just want to do a job that doesn't take up much. I've come so far with my family now. Yeah. And that's what's important to me. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. You weren't talking like that when we first met. Yeah. It's amazing that you recognise that again. And that's the part. And that's, you know, I just want a job that I get a few pounds out of every week. And... Quality of life. Quality of life. Like, I don't want to be stressed out learning a new career and helping people if it's going to be detrimental to me, you know? family. So I'll do every little thing that I can do, would be at this or be at the voiceover for IADT or whatever. Um, I just think you're a great advocate for brain injury. You talk, yeah. you're always open to talk about it. You're always willing to get involved. People think they need to go above and beyond what they do. Even doing this, sharing yeah, your, exactly. sharing your story, doing the brain works, helping around the unit with other people. That's loads. And again, you're a great advocate for some of this out of brain injury because you don't hide away from it. You tell your story, you're, you know, you're proud of who you are and what has happened to you. Yeah. You know, so what's the future? What's the plan? Well, as I say, it's changed from what when I first came here. Yeah, I just life thought, has like, changed. I thought when I first came here, I was like, okay, well, I can't wait to start my um, occupational therapy kind of my work experience there. And I want that was what I was focused on doing that. Mm. And and now I just, I, I just want to, I, Everything has changed for me personally in like my relationships and the thaw- the thawing of the heart. That for me was such a big thing that, you know, it doesn't matter. I just want to go out and do little jobs and, you know, I'd be happy working in McDonald's. Yeah, I, I sit here smiling. I think it's lovely and I think it's really, it's the small things in life. Your, 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 light, your heart thawing out, your family stuff all the good stuff not yeah. the college not the work yeah. and you're seeing that like it's like it's a it's a neon sign which is yeah. which is amazing it's amazing yeah no I'm actually as soon as I actually made the decision which was only a few days ago I made the decision okay 
oh, it was the day we went to the open day up yeah, at the, the, the best, college thing. The best practice day. Yeah, yeah, and I was just like, this isn't for me. I just want to get a job and that I can go home in the evening. I'm not completely exhausted. I'm not thinking about other people's problems. And I can just be at home with my family and be happy. And as soon as I realised that and accepted that, it was like a weight was gone off my shoulders. Wow. I just felt so much better and I was just happy with my decision. Light bulb moments, as yeah. you call them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Look, I've took up loads of time. That was an amazing, amazing chat. I love it. Do you know what I mean? The, the, the transformation, the change, the traumatic brain you had, the traumatic event that you have, and then now you're, you're nearly coming up to seven or eight months with us here, and your life has changed, your insight has changed, you as a person, you feel has changed and I just find that fascinating what do you think I'm very fascinating you're very fascinating and you're modest and you're <laughs> modest look thanks very much for joining Magic Minds you're a star I love it thanks man okay so that's all we have time for today hopefully you enjoyed that uh, story as much as I did Karen is an amazing human being and um, she shared with us our story from before and after injury and it's a it's a powerful powerful story and she tells us so well she's very honest and open and genuine and and that comes across, you know, it's not easy for somebody to sit down and do an interview with somebody, but on top of that, then have a significant brain injury, you know, and she's done remarkably well, you know, all through her own hard work and her determination. Karen does a lot of work on herself, not only while she's on the program in the RTU, but at home in her own free time, she, she works hard on herself and she does a lot of research and reading and books and self-development. She's and she's very honest and open about that. So it was an absolute privilege to, to share that story with her. Hopefully you got some inspiration and motivation from it. It was a little bit funny at times. And she's a great, great character. It was a pleasure to, to do the interview with her. You know, it was my first interview actually ever for the show. Just recorded on my little Zoom. But the quality came out great. But we just sat down, we chatted. And there was very little editing. She, she told the truth. There was nothing to change. She uh, she was comfortable with the interview and it, it came across really, really well. And hopefully you guys will get an insight. You know, if you have a family member have that has suffered a brain injury or you know somebody, hopefully it might be helpful to you. So yeah, a big thanks to Karen and you know, she's a she's a shining light for for brain injury patients and she's a great advocate, you know, and I'm delighted to have spent that time with her. Uh, as always, I'd like to thank Noel Royley from Rooney Media so if you guys need any graphic design and check those guys out he's absolutely amazing I'm really uh, grateful for his help on the, the podcast again also I'd like to thank Carolyn Harvey from ISA Nutrition so if you need any uh, support around your nutrition or you've got any ailments or you want to uh, lose some weight or put on some muscle or maintain a healthy lifestyle check those guys out on Facebook well our website is in the making i don't think it's up yet but you can get her on facebook isa nutrition carolyn harvey check her out she's an absolute gem of a person uh so that's all we have time for uh, as always i'll ask you please 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 share this with a family member or a friend and uh, subscribe on itunes we're also on anchor fm and we're on podbean and uh, soundcloud so also on itunes please 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 leave a delicious review uh, i need your reviews i need your ratings to get this show out i want to get this, the stories out there but if we can raise the profile of the the show you know we get more listeners and it'll grow momentum so and that's all we want to do is to, to spread the story and 
inspire and motivate people and create an education for everyone and I'm learning loads from this and I'm getting the opportunity to spend time with some amazing amazing people and hopefully I can keep doing that and I can bring that to you guys and so wherever you are in the world look after yourself go check on a family member go check on a friend make sure they're all right and you mind yourself as always have a great day cheers bye bye